Don't get worked up, because you're going to know the whole story the minute she steps off the plane. Really? How? Because it's all in the greeting. Uh-huh. All right, if she puts the bags down before she greets you, that's a good sign. Right. You know, anything in the, in the lip area is good. Lip area. You know, a hug, definitely good. Hug is definitely good. Sure. Although, what if it's one of those hugs where the shoulders are touching, the hips are eight feet apart? That's a brutal, I hate that. You know how they do that? What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? This is the show. I am your host, Alex Lee. I've got my co-host, my good buddy, the chill one himself, Mr. C.J. Ward. What's going on, buddy? Oh, you know, man. Kicking back, relaxing all cool. Uh, sipping some some water, uh, just like a tool. Uh, but that's a different podcast. Well, I've, got a, I've, I've got a half water, half Kool-Aid mix. Come me a little slack. Uh, as I said, this is the show. And, and as far as I know, to this point, we're not going to change it. Well, we can't change it because it's the first episode. So whatever it is, it is. And we can yeah, change that, that it would, later. But we won't that change would, it. That would uh, have to deal with some serious time travel, some science. that I wouldn't bore you with, uh, but that I could easily figure out. Um, but again, that's another podcast. I'm sure I, that's another podcast with Paul Rudd. Uh, but what is the show? This show is a Seinfeld podcast. We're going to sit back and watch our favorite show of all time. Two dudes, you know, this is probably the show that we compare most of our lives to. Um, every every moment kind of has a Seinfeld reference to it. So yeah, you know, we thought, hey, you know, let's let's kick back. We ain't got nothing else to do. Let's, let's watch some Seinfeld, you know. Like, who hasn't chucked their boyfriend fur coat out of a window? We love it. It's a great show. I have it personally. It, uh, it's part of my childhood. I grew up. Uh, I grew up watching it with my dad. So, uh, when did you start watching Seinfeld? Obviously, there are moments from when I was a kid that that stood out. Uh, family watched Seinfeld a lot. Um, I I remember the day of the finale because I remember where I was as a kid when that happened. Oh wow! See, I just remember being upset. That's all I remember. I I was in Phoenix and I just remember it being like. like an event that my whole family kind of got around for episodes here and there that kind of said that I watched with, with my family at certain times, but really didn't get into the the binging and the the fandom of the series until later on, probably mid 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 to late high school was when I really got into okay to the show. See, I you know like like I I, I follow kind of the same route, exposed to it young. I I think I was exposed to it a little bit more, even though I didn't watch the finale. Um, once I got around, um, to graduating high school, I had this old TV and it had a DVD player built into it. And that was like, oh, like the best. top of the line shit for that. It was great. So one of the gifts I used to get is like my dad every year, cause we used to watch it. Uh, we, he would get me a new season every year. So I ended up, you know, collecting all the seasons and being more broke college kid at the time, what else? I didn't have cable, so that's what I watched. So that's when I really binged them and got into you know all the notes about nothing and the DVD commentaries. And so I can't say I'm going into this you know completely blind and having never you know uh, seen any of these things that I'm going to rewatch. I'm actually looking forward to rewatching it. I can always rewatch this show. That's why they are one of the you know most valuable syndication. Uh, shows in syndication. Yeah, I was gonna say, you know, we talk about how you know you can pick this up at any point, but we we also talk about th- for for this one specifically, 
that like this is one of those shows that started off with a great pilot and it just kind of continued on from there well because because you mentioned the pilot and we're talking about syndication and it's episode one here where else would we start but episode one um you don't get syndicated without a pilot the uh pilot is officially called the seinfeld chronicles I see. I see. You have so, something to say. It's it's weird because like even like like the font is like Sopranos esque, almost. It's it's like a different style feel of an open for what the show. Oh yeah. Is. Well, there's 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 multiple there's multiple reasons to to, to 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 why this show this episode feels so different. Um. But. It's yeah, like you said, the sign, uh, the, the 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 font, the, oh, the music is terrible. different. If you watch the, the DVDs, you have the option to watch the syndicated updated. Because Larry David, Larry David is not above saying, "Go fix that, fix that, that continuity error." We recast this person. Hey Jerry, I need you to Newman <laughs> voice this over. Wayne, come on, help me out, brother. Uh, the music, yeah, the mu- the music's different, so you can see that on the DVD. Um, I mean, everything from the clothes to Jerry's apartment, and I know Jerry's apartment kind of stays the same through a majority of the first season, and then he actually moves. Somehow, the same apartment goes from a studio to a one-bedroom out of nowhere. Upgrade. Uh, Upgrade. And nobody asks any questions about it. Uh, it's just got a whole different. It's yeah, just got these, a whole different feel. You know, this was the only episode that aired in 1989. The show predominantly aired at. 99.9% aired in the 1990s, but it it, it it spawned out of pretty much the, the tail end of the eight, the 80s when a guy named Rick Ludwin, who, um, for all intents and purposes, let's just consider yeah. him Russell Dalrymple. Like, he's just the guy who discovers Jerry at a set and was like, hey, I want to I wanna give you a show. You know, the two guys that approached Jerry... Uh, in the club later on in the in the series, you know, are sort of like the go-betweens or whatever. But Rick Ludwin's the guy, and he sees a stand-up called Stand Up Confidential. Now, uh, I had mentioned to you that I found this uh, entire stand-up on YouTube, and it's about 54, 56 minutes long, and I watched the whole thing. And boy, did you rave about it. Well, I mean, I did rave about it, but it's weird, even for the 80s. Uh, there are some weird little skits, um, including some jokes you recognize, uh, any of them. But uh, Larry Miller, doorman in a later episode, also uh, auditioned for the role of George. Uh, if you Google him, you see I've his face, you're like, oh, before. I know that guy. Um, uh, he appears in a skit, which I thought was really cool, because, uh, yeah, Jerry has talked about him and uh, Larry being friends quite a bit. Larry Miller, not Larry David, although, you know. Lots of Larrys and Jerry's and all of this. Um, but Rick sees Stand Up Confidential, and it's it's on YouTube. Go watch it. You know, if the skits aren't for you, skip through them. They're not all that long. Um, you'll recognize a lot of jokes. Many jokes from this stand-up that he does make their way into the series, which I find very, very, you know, on brand, I guess, is, is the best word to say for it talked about like the the you know this being on like the heel of like the great comedies in the 80s to take a quick look at some of the eight some of the 80s sitcoms that were going on on nbc 
you know, you, you had Cheers, Golden Girls, uh, SNL, Family Ties, ALF, uh, different strokes. I mean, you, you had comedies on NBC, so the fact that, you know, NBC's coming at you and NBC's taking a look at you, it's, a, it's network television. Yeah, so 1987, stand-up premieres. By 1988, Jerry, Larry, and Rick are all working on a deal. They shoot the pilot in late 1988. It premieres... July 5th, 1989, it actually premiered second in the ratings. You would think for a pilot, second in the ratings, the day after July 4th, not too bad. But... Do you, do you know it was first? Uh, I, uh, for the, that beat them that first year? I, 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 I do, but I'm saving it for later. Oh, little tease, <laughs> little tease, little tease. Um, uh, there were some issues that some of the executives felt the audience was not quite the audience that brings in ad dollars. And what kind of audience would that be? All right, we're, oh, we're going to lay I out mean, that one. I, I, there's some quotes. There's some quotes you can find uh, online that people felt it skewed a little to a specific northeastern demographic. And that it wouldn't be found funny by the general public. Alright. So they felt it just wasn't going to live up to what they hoped to make money off of. Um, but as it, I wouldn't say they didn't try and force it to tank. They, they, they did give it a fair shot. They went out and spent probably a fair amount of money to go get uh, a song that was number one on the Hot Country Billboard. That's crazy. By Grammy Award winning artist George Strait. Which I found hilarious because it's a restaurant. It's a restaurant in New York in 1989, and what's playing on the jukebox, CJ? Country star George Strait. You know, you gotta get a little Country Saturday in. And you could say that's a silly move or a bold move, but the the song was a popular song from a popular artist. I take that as we're trying to get different eyeballs on this, and if we play this music, maybe maybe somebody in Texas will be like, you know what? <laughs> I like them fellas. Them Yankees aren't, aren't so bad. So the the show's basically in turmoil. They don't know what's going on. It, it wasn't picked up. There's a lot of unknown. Um, but Rick Ludwin just doesn't let it die. He is at every meeting. He's like, you need a show? I got you a show, bro. I got you a show. To the point where he basically annoyed NBC executives into canceling not one, but two Bob Hope variety hour specials to give uh to give rick and the seinfeld chronicles oh no what a terrible decision uh, that was two hundred thousand dollars to shoot four episodes which is the shortest order for any show any show four four episodes yeah that was that was i mean to think we could have gotten more episodes but four episodes shortest uh, order of episodes in television history and when they re-debuted the pilot uh, fun fact a year to the day later July 5th 1990 it did a number one in the ratings and not only that Oof. it hit the key demographic of young males mm. that like 18 to 49 that's like the super that's coveted spot, like, baby. like the nfl dominates that 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 demo they did great in that demo mm. 
and that demo means money. ad dollars, and ad dollars mean episodes. Here comes the money. If you've seen the show, and honestly, it's been around since the 90s, we're going to reference things. We won't go in-depth on those things that we reference unless it's relevant to the show. If but you, if you haven't seen the show, seen the show the way... you should probably turn on the show right now or turn it on after us because you definitely want to listen to us first because, I mean, we're the bona fide experts. Right. Don't pause us. Listen to us first. I consider myself a Seinfeld expert. I'm not going to lie. Beat the geeks. We would have beaten the Seinfeld geek. Don't pause it. Mute it for like 30 seconds because I'm going to talk about because I'm going to talk about season four. Um, so Jerry the pilot, there's a lot of turmoil in that season about his show getting made and i feel like you know writers they write what they know and while i don't think it was exactly how it happened i don't think a dude jumped out of the audience again spoilers <laughs> um i think that was drawn on a lot of truth of there was this big unknown for 12 months of like what are we gonna do and if they pick it up and what if what if they finished worse than that second if they had finished fourth that first year and then finished second the next year Okay, that's an improvement. People are like, okay, that's a good improvement. But where do you go from second? You can either go to one or you go down. And it's like, well, it's a good thing we only gave him four episodes. So there was a lot of unknown and just... But no, I mean, uh, they didn't know what this show was going to be. So I do have a couple fun facts. Yeah, fun facts. Fun fact Friday. They had Country Saturday. Now it's Fun Fact Friday. Uh, well, it's just I, I had one production note and then, um, again, another ratings note. And I'm kind of a ratings nerd. It's just numbers. I like numbers and data, and it makes me a dork and stats and everything. Well, so I'll talk about ratings. Something, and... something more back then than they do now just because of, you know, For sure. the, the time. The age of streaming. So um, the pilot – May have been, you know, we we just we just spent a few minutes talking about the the, the potential turmoil and the unknown and just the are we going to get picked up? Are we canceled? Who the fuck knows? The pilot shot on the same stage that the Dick Van Dyke show shot uh, ran on, and everybody saw that as a kind of a good luck. The same studio, you know, shot same places as, uh, as uh, I Love Lucy, True Blood, Weeds, Golden Girls, Monk. Uh, you know, crazy, crazy big shows. So, uh, many in the definitely some uh, good luck on that set. Many in the cat. Yeah, they felt they felt that good luck. They felt that Dick Van Dyke good luck, which I it seems so random. Like, why why would you bring up Dick Van Dyke? I know he's Dick. a legend. You know, Jim Chimney and, and all that nonsense. Yeah, he's a good dude. But it actually it actually also loops into my ratings fact so i'm just tying everything in together with seinfeld it's like six degrees of seinfeld in here uh you had asked me and and i had shut you down pretty quick who finished number one in 1989 what beat seinfeld cj have you ever heard of a show called jake and the fat man not necessarily no but i think you're gonna tell me about it that's that's quite that's quite crazy because it ran for 106 episodes. Yeah, had had no idea. They released a complete collection of the series in 2017. So three years ago, there was enough demand for the complete collection. People were tired of 
going to their movie trading companies and eBaying their individual seasons of Jake and the Fat Man. They needed the complete series DVD. There was enough demand to print enough DVDs to fit 106 episodes and ship them out to locations. I'm just saying, it's a crazy... It's a crazy... I couldn't find any episodes either. It is not available for streaming online. Yeah, I'm going to assume it's going to cost more to make those DVDs than money they made on them because no streaming service really wants it. There's clearly a demand for it, CJ. they're, They're printing... The, the, there's a box set for this show. Clearly, there's a demand. No demand. Yeah, I think they're just bored, and they're like, we need to get this shit out there. Like, like these are actually all the DVDs that they had. They don't have any more anymore in the warehouse, even, at all. This was, this was their stock, and they're like, we need to get this shit out of here. Someone else take this shit off our hands. We don't want it anymore. So this is the show, the Seinfeld podcast. So, of course, we're talking about Dick Van Dyke and Jake and the Fat Man. You may be wondering, well, what do those two have to do with each other? How do they link? If you've ever heard of a show called Diagnosis Murder, which ran for 178 episodes and was canceled in 2001. I've heard of Prognosis Negative. Was a spinoff of Jake and the Fat Man. Oh my goodness and, gracious. And Diagnosis Murder. That's crazy. Diagnosis Murder was a Dick Van Dyke show, ran for 178 episodes, canceled in 2001. Spinoff of Jake and the Fat Man, which beat Seinfeld in its first pilot premiere, which was shot on stage eight, where the Dick Van Dyke show was shot. Six degrees of Seinfeld. This is the show. Damn it, and I I really wish we could, but we're but we're not gonna change it. Sorry. Why do you wish we could change it? Um because I'm a cynic. Don't wish for such nonsense. No, but then then we well, prove ourselves. So the show opens with what feels like the first of like 37 stand-ups. But we get our first stand-up, our first look at Jerry Seinfeld, the comedian. And he's doing a bit about everybody wants to go out, but then once they're out, they want to get back home. This is his job. This is what he does. This is who he is. It is. is. The show is about a comedian living in New York City. So what better way to start out than showing him in his natural environment? And after we get a pretty funny bit, I think it's a good bit. I like the idea that, like, yeah, we all want to go out. And once we're out, we're like, oh, I want to go home. Like, I definitely feel that way at my age. I for real want to just go home. Not, not even at my age, just at all times. No, no joke. One of the last times I got to go out before everything was, like, shelter in place and locked down and closed down the restaurants was we went to a brewery in the area uh, about 20, 30 minutes away from where I live. And uh, we walked up, and yeah. uh, the, the friends we like to go with, they like to pick out breweries in the area because we're not from here, and they know we like beer. So it's like, oh, we'll take you to different breweries. And we get there, and I'm looking at the hours, and this is like a Friday or Saturday night. I know it's like one of those like 12, 1 a.m. Pl- uh, type of nights. Place closed at 9.30. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? I'm cool. Like, let's have a great time. We'll be out of here. I'll be home. I'll have my shoes and my pants off by 10 o'clock, and everything will be right with the world. So, uh, yeah, that was a pretty good night. So I definitely felt this opening joke from Jerry. Then we move on into a conversation that bookends the show. Between two friends, you know, what we all do, you know, uh, conversation between two guys, kind of hanging out, chilling. But, yeah, I mean, this – 
this line ends up being more important than I think anybody really thought at at the time. For sure. I mean, it has to be. Oh, at the, at the time. Definitely important, and you don't even know. At the time, it's just a funny way to, to, to start. But it is, a, it is a conversation that bookends the series, a conversation about George's button. Uh, it's the second button. Is it too high? Is it too, you know, you got to try before you buy. Do you try before you buy? Um... Depends. Jeans, yes. Shirts, I mean, I can always exchange it. I don't. I don't feel the need to I try don't. a shirt on in the store. Like I said, jeans and pants, I gotta make sure it fits because that's a little different. I know sometimes shirts None shrink. I like to buy shirts a little big. Um, but yeah, I, you know, if it's a night, nice, if it's if it's a night, nice, I'll try boxers on. Are you are you are you trying on underwear in the store? No. Okay. Moving on. Claire. Who is Claire the waitress? Uh, wait, wait, wait. Before we even get to Claire, be be before we even get to Claire, can we, can we observe the obvious here? The obvious is that this is not Monk's. This is, this is a totally different diner than what we, the, that we as Seinfeld fans are, are used to. That is correct. Uh, the name of this restaurant is Pete's. Pete's Luncheonette, I believe, which is odd, in my opinion. There is a Pete's Coffee now. Now, Pete's Coffee is a really good coffee. Uh, really kind of a bougie kind of brand. Not connected, but connected in this instance. Six degrees of Seinfeld. We like Pete's Coffee. Sponsor us, please. I ain't ashamed. Please. Contact me. DM me. Yes, that is a good point. How could I not lead off with that? That they're at Pete's, not Monk's. Silly, silly me. But Claire the Waitress is played by Lee Garlington. She is a character act actress who has worked for 30 solid years in TVs and movies. She's been nominated for a Primetime Emmy. Uh, she's just a hardworking gal. And she was supposed to be the female lead. The, fem the original female lead was not Julie Louis-Dreyfus. Uh, like I said, in that year, it took between the two pilots airing and then getting picked up for four more episodes, a lot happened, and Lee was not able to return. And uh, it's also hard to return when they write your so part. So now, was, was the idea for Elaine set up, uh, did that come about in the time between the pilot and it getting picked up? Like, like once they picked it up, we're like, okay, you have to have a female lead here. Or... Did, did they already have it set out during the Seinfeld Chronicles? Say, okay, we'll just add this character later. So, the waitress character was basically cut out. So, we see the, the, the repartee that Claire obviously has with Jerry and George. It's very clear from the get-go. They know each other. Uh, she, calls, she calls George by his first name. But... Yes. The writers, and I guess that would include Jerry and Larry, felt that Jerry would be a successful comedian, and as we will find out later in this episode, George's career is a little more in the white-collar uh, industry, you could say. Um, Claire's social status didn't quite meet the level of what jerry and george would be rubbing elbows with i guess that's the most pc way i can say it claire was too poor how about that for 2020 claire was too <laughs> poor to be jerry and george's friend basically 
So, um, it also kind of <laughs> helped Ellie Garlington did take a job in that year. So they recast, uh, they recast the female lead. They didn't just the, Claire was just never heard from again. We never heard from Claire again. So they recast Julia. She Louis got Dreyfus, a job who, somewhere downtown. Um, but the the so I've got a, I've actually got a JLD pilot fact. If this still stands, according to the DVD commentary or the uh, DVD inside look on this episode, she has never seen the pilot. Not once, not ever. Wow, that's crazy. I mean, what you're not in it. I mean, yeah. well, what she got to do? Yeah, superstitious. Just let it go. So who needs it? Yeah. So, and you know, it's it. It would have been great, probably, for Lee Garlington's career to end up as a regular on this show, but it's it's not like this ended her career. Like I said, she's been a steady actress for thirty years. Um, she did a couple of uh, she did an episode on Friends that's pretty recognizable. Um, if you've seen her on there, um, I do have one more weird note, and I wrote it down because I'm a fan of funny names, and this reminded me of uh, my childhood. Uh, does the name Christina Pickles? ring any kind of like childhood bells to you other than being a uh, long lost cousin the family of Tommy do you ever remember pickles and angelica pickles then then no ah ah there there you go see that's that's why we're best friends because that's exactly where my mind went that is actually who lee lost her emmy to that's great. Uh, when she was nominated by uh, to a woman named Christina Pickles, and my mind just immediately went Rugrats, cool. Rubbed her on ice. Favorite <laughs> musical. So that's Lee Garlington. That's Claire the waitress. After this scene, we will will never see her again. So um, hello and goodbye. I think another big thing from this scene, and it's one of my favorite, you know things to do whenever you're trying to explain something to somebody and they're not paying attention or you've been pointing things out the whole time it's it's signals baby it's signals i i love this scene um i think this is some of the most like energetic george george you get um you know he, what are we doing you know we're talking about this well, yeah, he's, yeah he, he, he's got a little buzz to him he, he's got a little a little ghost. She poured, you know, the right hand instead of the left hand. Um, no, th this is great. It's something that, that we deal with on a common basis. It's something that, well, that throughout the day you're well, going to deal with. Getting something from, from other people on, on, on how to interact. And that's why this show is so meta. Ask me. Ask well, I want to ask you something. Oh, this show is extremely meta. My question to you is... Do you agree with George in his evaluation of Laura's signals? Laura being the lady Jerry is um, uh, met her at a comedy show. She's flying in. Has to come she in. She has to come Maybe. in. Maybe she'll meet up with him. George thinks I mean, she's got no intention I mean, of seeing Jerry. I were to be asked those questions my answer would be no no i i i don't think she was intentional on seeing him i think i think he was a backup but just in case you know it, it 
was never set up to win in this scenario. I, I do agree. It was never set up to win. I have an interesting take on this because I've seen this episode hundreds of times and I think she knows exactly what she's doing. I think she's a conniving... I don't want to call her a grifter. I don't want to give her the compliment of even calling her a con artist. And to put it in 2020 terms, she's a thought. She's a thought. She... And and, and I'll get... uh, I'll leave it at that, and as we progress, I'll I'll lay my I I will start laying my case as we as we approach the different things. So, um, you you had mentioned an energetic caffeinated George, and I know we see probably the most energetic George, you know, outside of you know being in the hospital, in an, in a in a restrained a, uh, exuberance. It's a different George, um, yeah. And we I, ever I get? That's you know that, that that's definitely him still trying to find find the character. Um, you know, at, they say in an interview on the DVDs that he he was doing more of um, a Woody Allen impression. That's what got him the job rather than a Larry David impression. And it took him some time to figure out. Oh, I'm playing I'm playing. Mr. Larry David over there, like, like, like that's who this character is. Now let me kind of take some things from him, and I, I can use that in the character. But here he's just going off of, oh yeah, you know, signals. Oh, you know, being over dramatic, really trying to uh, be the exclamation point on the scene each time, which you you don't really see. More, more times he's he ends up being more the period and the butt of the joke. Here he's trying to be the exclamation point and be the be the hyperbole or the you know the the sound effects of what's going on in Jerry's world. Absolutely, I think my favorite little bit of George, like you mentioned, that this isn't he's playing a little differently. He's playing a little faster, a little looser. I think there's one thing in this scene that connects George throughout the rest of the 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 series, and that's. That's being annoyed by how long it's taking for this laundry to, to, to finish. His own personal game. And we hear him ask Jerry a couple times, like, come on, dude. Like, your, your shit's obviously done. Can we get out of here? And he just, you know, he just lean over a little. Look at that! They're done! And I just, that's, that is, that is George Costanza. That's yeah, George, that's yeah. George that scene probably defines who he is uh, throughout the rest of the entire series. It's 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 a great scene, and and sort of back to what the show is. It's about nothing. It's a show about a couple of guys, a group of friends, and we've seen two scenes. And what have these two knuckleheads been doing? They've gotten a cup of coffee. Yeah. And now he's doing laundry. Not not, not something you, what? you know you typically see in a in a TV show. There's not not a whole lot of plot behind the you know. Seeing it, it's just hey, we're doing this. Let's watch a guy do chores. And this is not the first time we see laundry. Laundry is a big a part of this show. Uh, Let me tell you. Hey, do your laundry. Um, but a, 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 as far as this episode goes, that's the last bit of laundry. We're gonna take a break real quick. We'll be right back. Alrighty. And we're back, and we're in another stand-up. This time it's another stand-up from Stand-Up Confidential. 
This time, it is about the socks that escape from the dryer. It's a pretty funny bit, in my opinion. Hmm. The, yeah, yeah, no, this is definitely one of my favorite Jerry Seinfeld jokes. Uh, it it always gives me a little, a little laugh, because I've lost so many damn socks in the damn dryer. It, 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 it's a common thing that we all... We all do get have my socks just get holes in them and then I throw them out and then I wonder where did my random sock go so out of that stand up Jerry's at home so again following what we've seen him do so far we've seen Jerry at the coffee shop we've seen Jerry at the laundromat we've seen Jerry at work and now Jerry is at home it's late He's in his PJs. Bowl of cereal late at night. Very underrated snack. And he's about to watch the Mets. And in comes with his first is this entrance. As, like, like, is this tracked as Kramer entrance it is. one? The notes about nothing have it tracked as Kramer entrance numero uno. But this is technically... This is, this is technically... Wow. Kessler's Crazy. entrance. Because that's what Jerry calls Kramer in this scene. When uh, Kramer comes over there and asks him, you got any meat? He says, uh, he, he gets that. quite upset at Kessler. Where Where is he calling that? In he, uh, Jerry is on the ground. He's all, oh, it's a tape. It's a tape. Why would you tell me that? I believe he's like specifically leaned back like this. And it's very hard to hear because, like, it almost sounds like – did he call him something else? It doesn't sound like he calls him Kessler. But the story behind that is uh, Kenny Kramer, the real Kramer, had not licensed or signed off on the usage of his name in the show. After he saw the pilot in – I don't know if it was 89 or 90 when he originally did see it. He found it funny enough to warrant the use of his name. And Kessler gets changed to Kramer. And there is actually a nod to this in the final season in the episode The Betrayal. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go any further than that, but I will say there is a nod to this specific name sort of mix up another let's call it another little bookend, much like we uh, had with the buttons. So just just for the record, I I am as as we record this. I am currently, I, I have the Seinfeld on, and I went back and I turned on subtitles, and sure enough, he calls him Kessler. I had never caught that before. That is insane. The more you know. Knowing's half the battle. So, uh, we, get a, we get some nice little nuggets in this scene. Uh, Jerry's a Mets fan. He likes cereal. Kramer's a, a bit of a goofy dude asking for meat, rummaging through his neighbor's fridge. Uh, hasn't been out of the building in 15 years. That's a plot point that quickly gets dropped because uh, Kramer needs to leave the building to be a uh, successful character. Yeah, um, we need him to get out. And the most important thing in this scene is Jerry gets a phone call. That phone call is from Laura. Laura. Here's my issue with this phone call. If what we have seen is tracked, we've seen a day in the life of a comedian hanging out with his buddy at a coffee shop, gets some laundry done, does a stand-up set, goes home, to a little Mets, eat a cereal, let's and, and call it a night. I expect it to be about, I would Perfect. say, one thirty, two o'clock in the morning at this point. 
and he gets a phone call. Yeah. You get a phone call at 2 o'clock in the morning? It seems a little out of the ordinary, right? Even let's be, let's be conservative. Let's call it Well, he had o'clock. received a telemarketer call before this, also at 2 o'clock in the morning. No, not a telemarketer. Wasn't it a, a, a wrong number? You, you are correct. It is a wrong number. I, t- I think a telemarketer comes later on. In the season, oh, he loved or... to talk shit to a telemarketer. Serious? No, the uh, the the wrong number ruins the baseball game because Kramer enters. Jerry's on the phone. Jerry hangs Kessler. up. Uh, Jerry even makes a point to answer the phone. If you know what happened in the next game, don't happen. I taped it. So uh, Kramer comes in, cancel, uh, ruins the game for Jerry. Jerry gets another phone call from Laura. What is Laura doing? Calling a man at 1, 2 o'clock in the morning. What we know is Laura mm-hmm. is from the central time zone. So it's at least an hour earlier there. You know, we live we live like that at the moment. I live on the East Coast. You live in the central time zone. You know, the hour can – it's not too bad. It's not like living in Mountain or West Coast. It's not bad. But there is an hour difference, and I don't think she's being very cognizant of that. So that's, that's, that's my first real strike on her. She's – She's not too aware that he, you know, maybe she knows he's a comedian and he'd be up late, but that's still kind of presumptuous and rude to call somebody that late. If you know he works late, call him during the day. But what what does this person at 1, 2 o'clock in the morning need? Oh, she needs a place to stay. So in about 12, 16 hours, we've gone from I have to come into the city, I might get an opportunity to see you, to... Hey, I'm gonna call you in the middle of the night because I got I need a place to stay. And what does Jerry say? You sure? Yeah. Like yeah, no problem. It's it's amazing. And oh, he's a guy one of my favorite bits is the head versus it's the brain versus penis chess match. It's one of my favorite bits yeah. they do. Yeah. And it is just the most on point male perspective like ladies. We know. We know we think with the wrong head way more than we should, but it is—it's not like we choose that life. It's Some do. Not all of us it's do. A constant game. Some of us are just like, wait, decisions. we wake up and we're just like, what happened? It, it happened again. And it just—he's thinking with the wrong head. So I think this is the first. This is my first real point that I think Laura is actually taking advantage of Jerry. She met this guy. You know, when he's out on a set. And now she goes from, hey, I might need to come in, to now I need a place to stay. And really, she could have called any any hotel and she would have been fine. What does George say? There's got to be a million it's, hotel it's New rooms. York City. And that leads into the next scene where George, George and Jerry are discussing this conversation about, you know, what does it mean? She now needs you know, uh, a place to stay. And they're actually, George and Jerry mm-hmm. are moving a mattress into Jerry's place. And, and, and what, what's the response to that? Why even give her an option? Why even give her an option? Which is very, very solid, very solid work by, by Michael Richards in this scene, I think for, for trying to look for some of those Kramer characteristics we're going to see, Later on, once he puts all the pieces together, uh, 
uh, in both the scenes actually. In the scene before when he's on the couch, you know, he does a couple facial expressions that we now know later on that he puts in other places. Uh, but definitely, you can see everyone trying to find their place within the show. The rip and lick of the magazine is so on brand. It, oh, it, and it's and it's it's one of the best jokes in the entire episode, and it's it not a word is said. So speaking of the things that Kramer will bring, do, do you uh, you're, you're talking about the things he's going to pick up? Do you think the dog was holding him back in this scene? Is that the damn dog out? I think the dog is really funny. The, the initial reaction with with George and the dog is a really funny bit in the scene. I don't know. I think you had a piece about this where, where you were telling me off air that I do. Uh, I do. The dog actually do. was going to play a bigger part. It, the, the dog actually it wasn't even supposed to be like a bigger part. So we've already seen a stand up about hanging out with your friends, a stand up about socks. Um, we're getting ready to have another stand up, but a stand up bit for the, the cutaway scenes that we do. Uh, a joke was written about a dog, and if if I had to bet, it's probably one of the dog jokes from Stand Up Confidential he does. And uh, on the day of shooting all those joke scenes, those uh, joke telling scenes, they just decided, man, we're just gonna cut the dog joke. We don't we don't we don't need the dog joke. And by that point, they'd already filmed like the pilot, they'd filmed those scenes with the intention of like, hey, this is gonna play as like. Your neighbor's got a dog, and then we'll do a stand-up about a dog joke. As you've seen, you know, the stand-ups we've seen of sort of, you know, you want to be out. George and Jerry are out, you know, doing laundry. Now we're talking about socks and a dryer. So these stand-ups are meant to mean something. They're, 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 they're meant to tell the story along with the episode, except for this particular spot where we just never hear or see uh, from the dog uh, ever again. No mention of it, no passing hey hey Kramer what happened to your dog you know as as we come to find out the gang is not too dog friendly <laughs> yeah uh definitely for some for, for some later stuff down the road I, I would say pets in general they don't do uh quite quite well with uh your your favorite part of this scene this is just a small little quick scene but again it's just another little snippet inside the day in the life of this comedian and his his neighbor who's always over and his friend who you know works but we're not quite sure what he well we find out what he does in this scene we find out george is in real estate but you know it's just another day they're moving a mattress in and they're just they're just they're just you know shooting the shit this is just normal human everyday yeah, life I, I, you know that that's definitely they are setting the tone early on uh from from square one that 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 <laughs> the running of the show i mean this is the show the show is about nothing. The show is about things that you encounter, that I encounter, that we all encounter, and we're gonna set, we're we're gonna set the basis for that now, so that later on you're not trying to figure out, hey, what are these guys doing here? Yeah, I my, I think I think in this particular scene, you know, it, it, there's just, we get a lot of inference. It's very informative. My favorite is the George and Kramer interaction when he's asking him about, you know, that real estate. Woo. And Kramer says, hey, you know, keep me up to date. And George is like kind of just like, I'm aware of you. And he's like, Jerry, we got to go. Get me get me away from this dude. I'm so, I can't I can't handle him right now. That to me, again, just mm-hmm. just the little things that we're going to see out of Costanza for the next, you know, nine seasons just laying that he's he's real quick to just like yeah cool man all right let's get the fuck out i don't want to be around this guy anymore 
real quick to just ditch on somebody uh, when he feels uncomfortable. I want to be here. So after uh, Jerry and uh, George move that mattress into Jerry's apartment for Laura, uh, George takes Jerry to a set. George mentions, hey, you got a set. Let's go. Uh, so what do we get? Another stand-up. This time, uh, why don't you tell? Uh, why don't you tell us what the uh, stand-up was this time? Number twenty-seven. Twenty-seven. Oh, stand-up number. Yes, stand-up number twenty-seven. Thank you. Yes. Can't even. Uh, you're 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 well, doing you know, my own bit, and I'm not even know, aware the first of it. one. Stand-up number twenty-seven. It's a damn cotton swab joke. I'll. It, you know, I'm gonna call it the damn cotton swab joke because it's probably my least favorite joke of the episode. It's true, but he hadn't experienced anything up to this point that had anything to do with this except for oh, a girl might be coming over. But it, they didn't go into cleaning. Well, I guess they did go into cleaning a little bit, but that has nothing to do again with a girl already being over. And this joke to me had no context. In the episode, yeah, you're right. I so it's a damn cotton it's, it's swab joke. The the weaker. It's the reason why I forgot it. It's a, it's a throwaway joke. It's a, it's a throwaway joke, and as we see over time, they will dwindle down the number of stand ups to eventually they'll just do away with them as the cold opens altogether uh, for the final two seasons. Um, for a while, they they definitely are nice. They're they're a nice way to kind of like mark. What, what show or what season you're on because some of them be kind of memorable as they get attached to certain episodes. Um, but I think they sort of lose their purpose, their intended purpose as they are here where, you know, George very specifically mentions, we got to get you to your to your set. And then what's the next scene we see? Bam, Jerry in a nightclub doing a set. You know, for the third time we're seeing him do a set. So this man's working hard. He's working hard. And uh, from that stand-up set, they go straight to the airport. You know how I know this. Do you want to know how I know they go straight to the airport from the set? Because we go right from the set to the airport. Jerry's in the same shirt. Oh, of course. So is George from the same outfit from before Karen's mattress. Yeah. A bowling, so. a bowling shirt with a hat. You don't see George ever really wear this. No, his wardrobe is a weird is... combination for him, but they... They definitely hand. try and play on that, that line. Miami, Miami Vice look. Oh for. yeah, yeah. I guess the bowling shirt was an average guy look. He would have fit in well with Charlie Sheen on Two and a Half he, Men. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely Two and a Half Men like for sure. So we're at the airport, and again, it seems like every scene we get to either has some kind of iconic bit or line, and in the airport scene, we get more name and we get more of this real world you know, real life interaction, these social situations. And it's, it's a simple, it's a simple greeting. And as we'll see throughout the show, mm -hmm. greetings themselves take on their own unique personality, whether it's the way Jerry and his mother greet Newman or the way uncle Leo says, hello, right. right. Uh, the kiss. Hello. There's just the, the, the greeting itself takes on many different forms in this show. And, we see the groundwork laid for it in this very episode as George and Jerry have a very funny conversation, I feel like, about just the way we greet casual acquaintances. Like, it means a lot. Like, Jerry wants to sleep with this woman, so it could mean everything in this handshake. And then, of course, in very typical, you know, TV, you know, writing, it goes completely bonkers. She walks up behind him, blindfolds him, and then they're shaking hands weirdly. 
throws everybody off, but it's a funny bit, and I think First it's... of all, the whole blind the whole blindfold move should be banned entirely from social situations. That is well, not anyway. very good uh, social procedure. Social distancing, yeah. Well, even before Terrible quarantine, like... Someone comes up and, and, and blindfolds me. That's a terrible way to say hello. Yeah, please please back away, sir, before I give you these hands. Or madam. Any awkward hellos? You ever encountered somebody just like, you know, like they go in for a handshake, but you were going in for a hug, so like they accidentally like punched you in the... You got any like funny weird things like what happened to Jerry? So I... My, my weekend hobby besides standing on corners at night advertising is I I'm in the professional wrestling world. Um, and we always greet each other with a handshake. Some people go in for the dap. So some people go in for the hug and you, and you never know which one you're going to get. Um, and so you always have to kind of go in with a basic one to everybody. Cause if you start mixing and matching, you know, you give this guy a handshake, you give this guy a hug. People don't know what to expect from you either. So then you're kind of giving a mix of things, and then there, there's the constant, oh, we're going for a hug, oh, but I really wanted to give you a handshake, and now uh, we're doing the elbows, and it, it, it's a constant mess and a tradition that I think should just all go away together. When I walk into a room, I like to give to standard, hello, everybody, rather than I, I'm going to come up and handshake each one of you individually, because that sounds kind of dumb. I really don't care. Yeah, about I like the, I like the, the walking into a room and the... Hello, everybody, because even if, like, you're a germaphobe or you don't like physical contact for whatever reason, you know, people can have their own reasons for not wanting to, like, touch another human. But, like, if you don't do that, like, immediate greeting of hello, everybody, you still got to go kind of, like, hit everybody with the head nod. I feel like after a while, they get kind of old. So, like, the, the immediate greeting, yeah. hello, everybody, like, if, if you didn't hear me say hello, that's on you, not on me. I said it as loud as I could. And now I'm in the party. Now I'm in the situation. We're going to be mingling. Say hi to me then. Don't worry about it now. We get a weird hello, but Laura's excited to, you know, be in New York. Yeah, because um, she's planes trash. The next scene is just uh, is just Jerry and Laura in their house. I guess George gets dropped off somewhere. You know, he's a part of the airport pickup, and, you know, he just third wheels his way, you know. You know what it is? He's smart enough to know that if he tags long, long enough, he'll get to split cab fare with everybody, and then classic he'll be George. able to save a couple dollars. Classic George. I think that's just frugal George right there. George classic. So we get into the what ends up being the final scene. We've got Laura and Jerry, and things are getting a little moody. She's asking for some wine, and she's turning the lights down. And then the phone rings again. Who, who could it be? Late at night. Who Who are these people that are calling Jerry Sound? This is the third Although, phone call we've one seen of the most late at night. Pimpin' ways to answer an old-style telephone with the quick little just ba-bang. Got it. Like, I, I would definitely still want to imitate that, but with cell phones, it's... It's not handy. No, I would I would buy a phone and purchase a landline just so I could do that. I'm not well, going that, to, but that, I that is, I am getting some tonight. I'm going to answer this phone like a badass. Yippee! To change. Well, it is well. I mean, yeah. Up up until this phone call, yes, he did think that. So the phone call is actually for Laura, he, uh, and again, he, he he thought he was in the pipe five by five. And again, Laura. 
that manipulative I'm you know what no I'm not gonna call that she's she's she doesn't deserve to be called that but she just she really irks me man because nowadays you 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 travel you're 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 an American you've flown on airplanes right you've got family yeah, when, there. when, when oh, you land Mm-hmm. And your family knows that you've been flying. What's the first thing you do? Um, not tell them for at least three hours. <laughs> exactly. You just get off the plane and you just say, "I just traveled to another time zone to go." No, no, no. Sleep in a stranger's but apartment. All seriousness, it is curiosity to say, "Hey, just so you know, I've landed," and then you don't really talk to them for the rest of the night. That's, that's pretty right, standard just that social. Courtesy. I just got the plane ring. Cool. Now, I don't think it's rude to have given Jerry's number out to a family member, a close friend. Hey, in case of emergency, this is where I can be reached. But I think that's where that phone number responsibility ends on Jerry's part. I'm an emergency contact yes. only. Y'all, like, I'm basically her Airbnb. Like, I'm a landlord. I can't help with shit except get a hold of her for you. But don't Who's call agreed me to go on a five-hour boat ride? Trying to get my smush smush on. Yeah, not just a three-hour tour, a five-hour tour. Yeah, hilarious that, like, he agrees to go on this stupid-ass boat tour. Would you go on a five-hour boat tour on the hopes of some pussy i wouldn't go on a five-hour boat tour j- not not like girlfriend fun. pussy like, there, there's no i'm talking like on a there's date. no reason to be on a five-hour boat tour like like just put me back on land i don't need to be on this boat we're not going anywhere exactly jerry thinking with his dick he's like five-hour boat tour let's go let's go i'm ready i'm ready he hasn't even got his dick wet some, yet. and he's like let's go so she gets a call. Jerry answers. He hands it over. There seems to be a little bit of disagreement, but it doesn't seem too bad. It just seems more of like a, hey, relax. Everything's fine. Basically, it sounds like a concerned person about her staying with a stranger. You know, okay, that's fine. Why is the stranger calling you? You know, maybe, like you said, give a courtesy call. Call these people. And then she, she drops the classic the classic line i mean going from midnight to six with you know heartbreak hotel no time flat never get engaged and just like that the air deflates from the room jerry sinks into the couch oh you can see bombs go off just like continues to repeat you're engaged you're engaged you're engaged all the question marks you can see just uh terrible you're engaged now is he still responsible for going on that five-hour no. boat tour after this no conversation? now you, you don't let them know that you are no longer responsible but you 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 stay committed up until about two three hours beforehand and then you say oh something came up and then you don't go on it because frankly fuck that you drop that bitch off in line and tell her you're going to go park the car and then you drive off <laughs> Oh, I tried to look for you in line. I couldn't find you. I just gave up. Thought I'd wait until you came back. It was the safest option. And I, and, and I gave up. And I gave up. Uh, is he still responsible? Because we don't really know how long 
she's expected to stay. I don't think we ever really get the kind of, oh, it's two nights and one day, or three nights and two days, or whatever it is. Uh, four days, three nights. Um, but is he still responsible for providing her a roof and a bed and a shower after this evening? Obviously, the douche thing is to just let her sleep there and tell her to get, you know, packing. But what is his responsibility there? Because he said she could stay there. Yes, he still let. He, he is kind let of a douche if he reneges on that deal. You still but... have to let her stay there. I mean, you can't just let, tell her to pack up and leave. I mean, I guess you could. Do you charge her now? <laughs> It is New York, you know, those those rates are expensive. You know, hey, I need some help with electricity this month. This is a studio apartment. I had to pay some people to lift this mattress up here. In my studio apartment that magically here, here, into a one-bedroom. I have a better apartment soon. for you. It's across the hall. Here's my friend Kessler. Go talk to him. He's don't a great Don't mind guy. that glowing red neon. Don't, don't mind the glowing red neon. Or the creepy clown. But hey, but hey, they make some great fried chicken. Didn't he? He recently did. Uh, he recently just passed away, right? Yeah. R.I.P. Rogers. R.I.P. R.I.P. Kenny Rogers. Moment of silence for Kenny Rogers. Uh, Paul in uh. Oh. All right. So this chick. Have we decided? Laura, She's engaged, dude. How pissed would you be? Ho? She's. It's not that she's a hoe, man. Ho. She's a bitch. She, she a hoe. Like she tells. She, no, 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 no. She, this was. This, That's a hoe. This, this gets me Both to. <laughs> this gets me to like the whole point that I just been like I wanted to lay those points out earlier is, this was a calculated maneuver on her part. She knew she was coming into town. She called Jerry a day or two before, kind of laid that groundwork, that little plant of that little seed, like, hey, just let you know I'm coming into town, maybe I want to see you, and Jerry's all like, oh, yeah, ooh, me caveman, it's like those kids when they turn into, like, little caveman uh, on South Park, and, you know, then she calls in the middle of the night and says, oh, shit, I can't find a, a hotel room in New York City, you know, the one of the biggest tourist destinations on the face of the planet, you know, it's an international hub. Maybe not a good of activity. Hotel Can't room. find a hotel room. A hotel Sorry, room. I need to, I need to stay with this stranger. I mean, I guess now they call it Airbnb, but at the time, you know, you're just not calling up strangers to be like, hey, can I stay at your house tomorrow? I'm flying up halfway across the country for this, and then now she's. At his apartment, she's clearly given his phone number to her fiance, and casually drops the never get engaged right as things have really about. To, I mean, things are really about to peak right here, right? Like Jerry's like, I am like, all I'm, I'm gonna slide down, I'm gonna shimmy on over, I'm gonna do the move, and and, and I'm gonna be good. I'm gonna sleep like a fucking baby, and she drops those bombs. And I think every step of that was calculated on her part. And I know it's a TV show and I'm overanalyzing it. But in my mind, that all of that seems like a calculated maneuver that a manipulative oh, person that's what does. Women do. And I don't want to speak in gender generalities because I, I think anybody can be this manipulative. Yeah, but mainly But in this, sense, in this sense, the way she laid out her plan masterfully, she basically got free room and board from a dude – for you know whatever reason she had to be in New York and didn't have to pay outrageous hotel prices. Sounds in New like York my City. actual. 
That's all she was trying to do. She was just trying to save a buck. And and Jerry got, you know, roped into being her, you know, hotel for the weekend. That's that's my two cents on 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 that whole bit. Uh, we we misread all those signals. Yeah, all those signals. And then after that, we finally get a uh, the show ends on a stinger of one final stand up, uh, the ninety third of the evening, world record. Uh, Jerry does a bit on women and men in relationships on women reading magazines and doing all these tests on, you know, uh, surveys on where to meet men and men are everywhere. And what's the, all the years of evolution, what's the one thing, what's the best thing we've come up with? It's the best thing we've come up with. Honking the damn horn. Cat calling and honking the damn horn. <laughs> I just, I'm out of ideas. I can... I can cat call and I can. Well, that, that, that's just because we're out of ideas. We don't. We, we don't know what else to do. We're always stumbling and bumbling and fumbling about how to go say hi. We're always trying to figure out what's the best scenario I can find and create for myself to get entered into this woman's world. And then that all enters too much. We're just, hey, um, I'm I'm a honk at her. That that gets the point across. Or nowadays, the 2020 version of that, I'm gonna throw a like. I'm a I'm a like that photo on Facebook. I'm a. I'm going to like that photo on Instagram. That's going to show her that I like her. She's going to interpret that as, hey, he's a suitable male caller. If if my wife didn't basically walk up and grab my dick, I probably never would have noticed her. So, I mean, that's, that's, I I leave that all up to her. That's all on her. Fair point. I don't know if I ever would have noticed her. That's a pretty straightforward way of saying, hey, let's do things. Next thing I know, my dick's in a hand, and I'm like, oh! All right. Six years later, I'm married. This is is where I'm going to be now on. Yeah. Lesson learned. If she just walks up and grabs your dick, I mean, you better be shopping for engagement rings. So that's the show. That 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 is the Seinfeld Chronicles, the pilot episode. Um... Now, the DVD commentary um, has a notes about nothing section, and uh, I wanted—I did pick out a couple that I wanted to bring up uh, right here at the end because I, I found them interesting. Uh, these are just little tidbits that, you know, you may not know uh, about the show. And because these are like pilot, the, the pilot, there are a lot of production-based ones. Um, like, uh, how about this one, CJ? Did you know George... Uh, his so he's a real estate agent. His original occupation was going to be a comedian, and no, in one draft, know. his name was Bennett. Yeah, I guess Larry David didn't want so many similarities. So where's that Bennett come from? Because because they kept it, they saved it, and they they used it for Lane, obviously. Oh. But where did that Bennett come from? Jerry's dog. I had not thought about that. When there's a producer or, or something on their name with a Bennett, investigative I research. May have to do well, if you do the research online like we did, hmm. um, you should be able to find it. Yes. Alrighty. So final thing before we go. Finale. So there's 180 episodes of Seinfeld. There's at least two clip shows. So Strolls down memory lane. To, to give ratings to. 180 episodes. We are going to rate and rank them all. Maybe not like 180 to 1, but in the sense that... You know, out of let's say five cups of coffee, you know, we'll give this one a rating. 
like, I'd give it a three and a half. Uh, is it all-time great TV, this specific episode? No. But it lays the groundwork and the foundation of what ends up being arguably one of the greatest television shows of all time. Uh, it's a great pilot, I think, as far as pilots go. It's definitely uh, – it definitely stands above the rest. Um, would I put it on any of my top five, top ten lists, which um, – those are going to be fun to do. I'm actually looking forward to this because this is where shit gets down to the nitty-gritty. Because when you have 180 episodes and you got to pick 10, you got to pick 10 out of 180 to do. and say, these are my top 10 episodes of all time. I don't care how you rank them. Just pick 10 out of 180. Uh, we've got things like three episodes to show a person to get them hooked. Yeah. So three episodes. You've got an hour of time, and you've got to get somebody hooked on the Seinfeld. You've got three episodes. I think that's going to be the most difficult one. I think be the most difficult. I mean, we, we all have those episodes where we, like, love. And I actually already have one on there. We won't even release these episodes until we get to them. So, like, I have a few episodes for Elaine already that I think are top seven for her. It's the best name of all time. I, I, to name my daughter that one day. Uh, by the way, I chose seven in honor of Seven Costanza. I thought that would be appropriate. I, sh- should I give a little teaser? I, I think I've, I I feel like I, I'll be clear on this. There's going to be a lot of a bone. Give lists. An, an example. An example. How about that? So, you know, much like the three episodes to get a person hooked, there's also the fun random episode where you just happen to be scrolling – through the TV guide, and you see that episode on, and you're like, oh, I love that episode. I, that's what I'm going to watch for this you know, next 15 to 20 minutes. Um, it's one of my favorite best random episodes to show would be The Parking Garage. Ah, I think it's a great episode. It. You get really fun you know, bits about all the characters. They all have their own shining moments, and – you know, if that episode is on TV, I'm like, I'm not changing the channel. I'm like, that's, I'm going to finish watching right. that, you know? So, uh, unfortunately, though, the pilot to me does not qualify for any of these criteria ah, or categories. Uh, other than it just being a three and a half out of five. Like, I just, I, it, it, it's just not one of the ten best episodes. I, I would not put this on the three random episodes to get a person hooked. I think... It looks a little dated. It looks very different than the rest of the yeah. show, and I think that could be sort of off-putting if you were to watch that and then just be immediately thrown into, like, 1994, or 95, even 96 Seinfeld. Um, so I would probably save that one. That's probably a special one. You know, like, if you're going to do Seinfeld, do a right start from the beginning. But if you're somebody who likes to bounce around, you know, there's better episodes, I think, to start with. Yes, uh, what did you think? What is your overall ranking thoughts? So I'm gonna go slightly uh, yes. above you. I'm gonna go to like a three point eight, three seven. It's it's enough of the cup of coffee. It's a, it's that last little bit, the bottom that like you that like you let like get cold. But you had three cups before that. So you had three cups, and then there's the bit at the bottom that gets cold. That you're kind of like, ah, I'm not, I'm not gonna finish that. Um, this episode to me really starts off the series hot. I think it's one of the better pilots there is. I, it really sets the 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 foundation of what this show is going to become, and from from character work, from the from the style um, of how it's shot to um, the format of it all. I I just think it's a really really good pilot, and because of the 
the foundation it lays, uh, it deserves a little bit more credit. And so it's a good, good episode. It, it still makes me laugh. It has a few really good um, stand-up parts in it. Like you said, the cotton swab really isn't that good. But but the other one still gave me a, a good chuckle, uh, you know, almost every time that I watched this episode. I dig it, and that's that's an episode that I can definitely go back to myself when I just want to watch Seinfeld. Uh, the the pilot is one of those episodes that I can go back to and watch anytime. Do you have it on any list or ranking or? But I wouldn't throw that on any list. Okay. No, 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 no. I wouldn't throw it on any like I. I am hesitant to throw it on like a top three somewhere because although I do enjoy this episode and I do really um, I I respect like the meaning of it and all I I don't know if it's worthy about being thrown. I mean, there, there's a 179 more exactly. episodes to cover. Uh, there's some better ones in there right, for sure. All right, all right, all right, all right. Well, that's it. That's all we got. This is the show, and we're not going to change it for anyone. Um, and we ain't changing shit. Nope. At least until the next episode. We'll see how it goes. I'm Alex Lee. He's CJ Ward. We'll see you next time. Do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do